You're listening to another episode of The Zag, continuing our social distancing mini-series. Excited to be joined by 2014 NLC New York fellow, Janos Martin is here. We'll catch up with him, see what he's up to, see what he thinks about these life and times where it seems like every 12 hours things are new and different. So make sure you listen to this one quickly before things change again. Let's get to it. All right, sir. So a New York fellow, does that mean you're living in New York presently or are you somewhere else? Uh, that's right. New York, born and raised, NLC, and right now. So give us a scoop because I feel like our two cities, LA and New York, um, were in similar places maybe a couple of days ago, but it feels like y'all have, have gone to a place that we have not gotten to yet. So give folks a scoop as of Wednesday afternoon, my time and early evening, your time. Absolutely. Well, we've gone pretty far off the deep end here in New York. Uh, I would say about a week ago, things started escalating pretty quickly. You first started hearing of hospitals being overrun. And New York usually has a pretty big hospital network. So when we heard that, we knew things were escalating quickly. Um, That's around the time that the mayor and governor began issuing various orders around people staying at home. Uh, For people, for most of us, we've been doing remote work for 10, 12 days at this point, maybe longer for some people. Um, but at this moment, it's really just people only leaving their homes to go to the grocery store or take care of something for one of their older relatives, uh, unless you're an essential worker. And then for folks that are watching what's happening in New York, primarily on TV, I I do feel like Governor Cuomo has been a a pretty consistent fixture. How would you describe the, the, the feelings or the relationship between Cuomo and de Blasio and the political kind of balancing act that, that those two folks have? Well, there's no question that Cuomo is, uh, giving some people comfort with the way that he presents. And he's always been pretty good at taking charge of situations. Uh, Mayor de Blasio has often struggled with that very same thing during big moments uh, in the city during the last eight years. I will say, as somebody who works in New York politics and activism, especially in the criminal justice front, that there's a lot about Governor Cuomo's response that does leave uh, something to be desired. You know, in the area that I work in, he's been uh, completely unrepresented unwilling to consider releasing vulnerable populations from state prisons, which is something that advocates have been pushing really hard for the past few weeks. Uh, And in terms of his relationship with de Blasio, it's sort of an ongoing joke in this uh, city that the mayor and governor can't really ever agree on anything. And uh, there's definitely a possibility that the uh, quarantine was slowed down in New York City by the fact that de Blasio proposed it first and Cuomo didn't want to seem like he Mm -hmm. was agreeing with de Blasio. So he waited three or four days before coming up with a synonym for basically de Blasio's proposal. So not so not all is well here in New York. And, uh, you know, we, we certainly appreciate the work Governor Cuomo is doing to try to build up hospital capacity, but there have been trying moments for both of their leaderships. And the issue around jail and prisons is something where they've both fallen short. Yeah, that's why I'm glad we have you on, on this issue of criminal justice. You know, LA and, and LA County in general, sadly, is a place where we, we jail an insane amount of people. And so these conversations are happening here as well. Kind of walk us through what the general public should should consider as politicians are debating this issue. What does it mean to release folks? What does it mean to release a vulnerable population? Like what are the, what are the factors we should be considering and listening for here? So this is a national issue, right? Every county in America is wrestling with some version of this. Uh, there's a couple different angles for people to consider. Number one, who are vulnerable people in the jail and prison system who really shouldn't be there as a dangerous virus is spreading? Um, First of all, it's worth considering why viruses spread through jails and prisons, right? Mm -hmm. This might seem obvious to some people, but 
in jail and prison settings, um, it is really hard to do social distancing. People come together for mealtime. Um, there is not capacity to sanitize and sterilize entire facilities and common areas. Um, people come in and out of the jails, both people who are being detained there as well as staff. So there's just no way to really prevent something from getting in there and spreading. So the question is, first of all, how can you release people who uh, would be most susceptible to it, people who are over the age of 60 or 50 in the case of prisons where people's health often deteriorates more quickly, uh, people with uh, autoimmune issues, people with existing health conditions. And the moral argument there is, you know, being sent to jail or prison, unless it's literally being sent for a life sentence, is not supposed to be a life sentence, right? So mm -hmm. if somebody is in jail because they're accused of a crime, but they catch uh, the coronavirus and die, then that's happened in state custody. That's our responsibility. And so we have an obligation to get people who are vulnerable out of jail and prison. Uh, the second thing that people should consider is that it's harder to contain a virus when jails and prisons are more crowded. So if there are people in jails and prisons who uh, don't pose a public safety risk, then they should be released too. And so the most common example across the country is people who are in jail, or jail for uh, technical parole violations. That means that you know they broke the rules of parole, not necessarily committed a new crime. And every, uh, you know, LA has that issue, New York does. It's all over the country that our jails are filled with people who have just broken parole violations and they should definitely not be in jail at this moment. And then the third thing to consider is that even if you feel no zero moral compassion for anybody who's in jail or prison, consider that, you know, the virus does not discriminate between people who are incarcerated, people who work there as correction officers, people who work there in medical facilities. And people who come into the jails and prisons have to go home every day to their families, to their neighborhoods, their communities. And so if you let the virus spread throughout the prison, it's going to infect the staff as well. And they're in turn going to bring it home and infect their homes, and their communities. So uh, it's just a real, it's an outbreak waiting to happen. And we need to do everything we can to slow the possibility of it happening. And we're certainly trying to do that here in New York. So then do you feel like the arguments against doing this is around the complexity of the logistics? Is it something else? Is it a moral issue and people's discomfort potentially with folks not quote unquote serving their, their fair time? Like where do you, where do you see the resistance coming from? Yeah. You know, in uh, there is some complexity around it, especially in the context of pretrial detention, right? There's really not like a single actor um, who runs the pretrial detention system. That's one of the reasons that it's so broken in places like LA and New York, right? You have district attorneys charging people and judges setting bail and cities and municipalities and counties running the correction system. So, you know, it takes, it takes a step or two, but obviously this all could have started three or four weeks ago. And some of that is starting in the New York city jails. They are looking for people to release and they're uh, doing it, albeit very slowly. In the state prison systems, it's actually pretty straightforward. Um, you've got older folks uh, in many places, including uh, definitely in New York, that have applied for clemency. Um, these are people who have served decades in prison, so there's no accountability issue. And literally all the governor would have to do is sign a piece of paper granting their clemency and that they would be free to go. And that's an existing you know, legal remedy that uh, can be, you know, could have been deployed before coronavirus. So I don't think complexity is the issue when it comes to releasing older people from state prison. I do think there's a prioritization question. Uh, you know, people might say like, why prioritize people in prison? We're dealing with all these other groups of people who are vulnerable. And the reality is this is a full-blown pandemic. Like we have to be trying to really walk and chew gum with this stuff. 
you know, if there is an outbreak in a state prison, it will overwhelm the local county medical system. It will, you know, end up spreading. And um, there's just nobody has anything to gain by that happening, right? So even though um, I think it may be counterintuitive for people to prioritize folks in prison, because that's normally what is not what is doesn't happen. I think in this case, we it's really dangerous to wait for an outbreak to happen before we start paying attention. We come back, we'll talk a little bit more on this topic and also a little bit more about life when you're living in a shelter-in-place city. Thanks for listening to this episode of The Zag. We'll be right back. So I feel like most of our listeners have been to New York at some point. Uh, How would you describe to them what the city feels like, sounds like right now? Well, I live about five blocks from Times Square, and... Mm -hmm. Um, you know, today I took a 15 minute walk just to clear my head and it was pretty jarring. I mean, Times Square is essentially empty. You know, there's very few cars, very few people. So if you've ever been a tourist in New York, you'll probably find that surprising, especially for the middle of the day. Uh, I would say in my neighborhood, which is a very dense, busy residential and commercial neighborhood, um, probably 80 to 90% of stores are closed. Um, you know, there are some restaurants with takeout and your bodegas are open. Um, uh, it was crushing to see in the last couple of days that a lot of pizza places are no longer open. Um, you know, I'm a, my favorite food by far and sort of New York signature dish. And, um, and, and, you know, that's because there's a lot of places that are legally allowed to stay open, um, such as restaurants for takeout or pizza places. But, um, economically, they just can't afford to pay their workers because since nobody's really on the street, um, nobody's buying the food. So it's initially there were actually there was actually like a decent amount of, of um, you know businesses that were just holding on. But in this last week, as you know, people are all sort of behind closed doors. There's it's really kind of a ghost town, uh, even in the more uh, densely part populated parts of the city. Yeah, we've been asking folks how they're passing some of this quarantine time, and we've been talking about board games, but you brought up to me music tournaments. Give me the scoop on that. I, I didn't really have a image that came to mind for that phrase, so give me the scoop on what that actually is. Well, since we canceled March Madness, you can just get <laughs> your bracket open in your in your head. Uh, so yeah, this is something that uh, you know, I came up with in... Uh, in middle school and, and it's been a, you know, it's turned out to be fun all the years since then with adults too. I mean, basically you get a group of friends together who like music, preferably similar tastes, but it can actually kind of work in wacky ways, even if you have very different tastes and you basically have a single nation tournament of songs and see uh, which one rises to the top. And you can do it by genre, by decade. You can have everybody submit a couple of their own favorite songs and it's literally like, you know, you do one versus 16, you know, four versus five, and you just go through it like a tournament and everybody votes on which song they like better. And it's uh, it's funny because, you know, you may think you know someone really well, but then you'll realize like they don't like the who. And you're like, what? Um, get out. And, get out. Yeah. And so it's it's a good way to get to, and it can be done completely remotely. Uh, you know, we've, I've, we've actually done music tournaments as a group of friends and I from you know, from college, even though we're not living in the same place. And so it's, uh, it's a good way to pass the time. I will say I'm also a board games fan as well. Hmm. Uh, my, my girlfriend and I play Pandemic. Uh, ah, very timely. Yeah. Yeah. Just, we, we've had the game and we never really played it. And we're like, well, now seems like as good a time as any. And, uh, you know, in Pandemic, the key is really to try to cure the disease as soon as possible. And I've asked my friends in the medical field about that. And apparently that is not <laughs> an option we can do as quickly as we can in the board game. 
Yeah. Well, listen, all, all good advice. And you probably could even make some extra money selling Pandemic. I feel like I saw it sold out pretty much in every online place when I was flipping through. So that might be, if times get tough, just package that up and walk the streets. You could probably make some extra cash. Good advice. Well, listen, thanks for coming on. Thanks for the insight, especially on the criminal justice piece. That's something we'll all watch for, among all the other things we're watching for. And in addition to watching, make sure to listen to past episodes of the Zag. We dropped a lot last week, close to 10. We've got a bunch more coming up as you pass the time in your sheltering place quarantine days. Get all the podcasts and all the places you do, SoundCloud, Spotify, Stitcher, they're all there. Like and subscribe. And until next time, then, we'll see you soon.